It's lunchtime in Central Texas. What are we having? Uh, it's just your standard regular lunch, I guess. Milk? PB&J with the crusts cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. Johnson. Huh. Time for the press box. Here's your host, Ward Whites. And it is lunchtime in Central Texas. Wow. <laughs> That's hot. Our mics are hot for sure. They are. Mine's... Ward is hot for sure. Yeah, Ward. What is going on here? This sounds... This sounds sure really... Is anybody else like echoing? <laughs> no? I am a little... I got it a little bit, yeah. And distorted? I think I sound great. I think... Compared huh. to what I normally sound like. I think I sound good, so there you go. <laughs> and it's All definitely right. distorted. <laughs> I'm done. Ooh. Done with him. I'm just kidding. Every day, Ward, every day. This is the Press Box on ESPN Central Texas. Glad to have you along on this terrific Tuesday after the national championship last night. Michigan Wolverines get it done 34-13 to 13 in front of a crowd of 72,808 in NRG. First national championship since 1997. How about that? It's a good year. It was? the year you were born? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I was alive for that. I was alive. I was born in the summer, so. Well, that's good. That's good. You called it, though. Yeah, Ward is sitting here alone, man. Only one that was right. Yep. Oh, did you pick Washington State? I did. Yep. Buried that, but I did pick. Washington. I thought I really, truly thought, guys, that it would be a little closer, and I really thought, okay, second half, they're going to come back. Yeah, both my predictions fell pretty flat. I well, had Washington, and if you'll remember, guaranteeing a close game, mm-hmm. and it was a three touchdown <laughs> Michigan win. Well, in your defense, they had the ball. Down twenty to thirteen in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the, true. Like it was. I, I thought away the game was going to be blown away before that. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from how dominant Michigan is, but was. But it was a close game going into the fourth quarter. Well, I think Michigan had some holding calls that the refs didn't catch or didn't throw flag on. I think so. Oh yeah, those big runs. I think so. Always an excuse. I, uh, for her Washington Huskies, mm-hmm. I like their I like their uniforms. And well, purples in my color teams have great uniforms. Well, and the by quarter- the way, can I give my old man rant? Why was Michigan not wearing the maize pants last night? That is the best home college football look there is, and it's the biggest game. And they're wearing blue on blue. Yeah, I, boy, I, was I disappointed. I, I was a little <laughs> bit too. Wanted to see those normal uniforms, but oh, didn't get to see that. Two great uniforms, though. But you got to look at what Michigan was able to do, and yeah, that too. found a way to get that running game going early in the game, and really stretched out the lead a little bit. And then their defensive line just absolutely destroyed Washington throughout the ball game. It played pretty well into their hands, didn't it? Like mm-hmm. last week, 
I thought Texas wasn't running the ball enough against Washington, especially in that first half. They tried to be very balanced, and I think that worked against them. But I did not expect Washington to get run over the way they did. I mean, they... He, well, they blitzed the quarterback a lot, and they just could not... He could not. There was oops. no contain. They yeah. couldn't get the ball down there. He just couldn't... And then there was... I think it was a couple of them... They caught it and dropped it. I mean, I don't know. It just kind of didn't seem like the same team I watched last time. Well, oh. and part of that is in because of the pass rush mm-hmm. was in his yep. face and knocked Always. him off his rhythm and Always. put him in a situation that he hasn't really been in all season long. And you got to give Michigan credit for that. And I think when he missed the wide open shot oh. on the right hand side that would. I don't know if it had scored, but it had got real close. I think that blew his confidence completely, and you saw a different quarterback after that play. And I hate, I hate when people say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because every team prefers to play from ahead. But this really, everything kind of favored Michigan the way it was going. They established the run early. They had a lead to where they could just jailbreak, firehouse, throw the kitchen sink at them, dial up some different coverages, really get in Penix's head, and they did. And that play, that that fourth down play where he misses the wide open receiver, Roma, whatever his name is, uh, just ha- everything worked perfect for Washington. They got the blown coverage. They got the look. Penix has the time to get it down there, and he misses him. He is going towards the sideline with the throw as the guy's breaking in. And from there, it was like, oh, boy. I think that was at 17-3. to mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, that might be it. That might be it right there because Michigan has not been stopped yet. And it turned out to not be like that. But, I mean, Washington never seven points. It didn't so. seem like that they ever really threatened no. very it, much. It was close, but you never thought, like, oh, Washington's knocking on the door or anything like what – the kind of momentum that Texas had at the end of that Sugar Bowl game, it never felt like, oh, this is going to be good. You know, this is inevitable. We're funeral marching towards a tie right here. It never felt like that. Michigan just kind of kept them at arm's length, which they've done this year to, you know, I mean, Indiana and Maryland and Rutgers and these kinds of teams. But then they do it down the stretch a little bit against Alabama, although that game goes to overtime, and then they – play it perfectly in the national championship game. Heck of a team. Did you see all the stars that were there last night? Michael Jordan was there. Mm-hmm. I saw a bit too much of Derek Jeter. He, he was like screen hogging. I'm like, what are we doing? This was like, you remember <laughs> when the Cubs won the World Series and they kept showing Bill Murray? After yeah. And I'm like, there are some diehard Michigan fans who have not seen this in a quarter century. You know, kids my age who have never seen it. There, you know, you see pictures on Twitter of the the grandparents that graduated there in the '40s and have been waiting to see this again before they die. But when I see the <laughs> championship ceiling touchdown, the Joker I'm seeing is Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan. What <laughs> the heck is that, man? As soon as the Cubs won the World Series, they showed Bill Murray, and I'm like, "What are we doing here? Who cares?" Well, they just—I guess they just wanted. They had Steve, Stephen Smith was up there. Oh yeah, oh that's who I wanted to see too. Oh yeah, 
and then Travis Scott, the rapper, was there. I don't know. There was just like anybody that was somebody was up well, there. Famous well, Michigan Jordan, alums. Jordan, Jordan, Jeter, Jordan the, Stephen A. Yeah. Smith. The Jump logo is part of the Michigan, and yeah. that was a $720 million deal for Michigan. And that's why Jordan was there. Derek Jeter was there because he played baseball at Michigan before the Yankees convinced him to leave college. Broke and Michigan come. fan, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get why they're there. Don't need to Stephen A. Smith. I don't know why he was there. Don't care. Hi, be happy that Taylor Swift wasn't there. <laughs> I guess. I guess. She was still moping over Joy Cole's <laughs> joke from two days ago. <laughs> I just, why do I need to see them all the time? I don't need to see it. I, I mean, personally, I'm Derek Jeter'd out, but just show the real fans, He's man. overrated. Oh, he's one of the most overrated so players overrated. ever to play this it's, 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 yeah. it's sickening how overrated he is. Which I almost hate how overrated he is because he is a great player or he is a Hall of Famer. Sure. But then I get these fans born in 1997 <laughs> saying that he's the best shortstop ever to play the game. <laughs> these tall, dorky, blonde-headed these, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like exactly. a Red Sox fan over there. <laughs> Totally. How would you know? I just, <laughs> totally. he's a great player, but I am so jeetered out, man. Uh, and right. now I get to see him in my college football broadcast. <laughs> Somebody's bitter. Okay. Uh, Don't right. get me started on Joe DiMaggio. We'll get into the game a little day. bit more at 115. Shehan J. Araja from CBS Sports will join us at 115 today, and we'll talk about that national championship game in the landscape of college football, but the AP final poll is out. Where's Baylor? And Michigan <laughs> is at number one. Washington at number two. <laughs> Any guesses on number three? Ooh. Mm. Number three. Number three? Oh. I'll sit this one out. Georgia? No. Ooh, that, that actually would have been my guess. Uh, University of Texas. Yes. The Longhorns okay, at number so three. Sticking with that. Georgia at number four. Alabama at number five. Florida State at six. <laughs> oh, I thought we were getting receiving votes. With uh, State. Oregon at seven. <laughs> Excuse me. Oregon is at seven. Uh, Missouri at eight. Ole Miss nine. And Ohio State number 10 in wow. the AP final poll of the 2023 season. Uh, other Big 12 schools getting some uh, votes in the top 25. Oklahoma finishes at number 15. Oklahoma State at 16, Kansas State at 18, uh, and Kansas at 23 in Not the bad. final AP poll. So. Not bad, Big 12. I thought, Are you a little oh, surprised I... that Texas is number three? Or no? no. I don't know either. I think that's fair. But usually we see, you know, someone who just missed and gets a big bowl win will sneak in. I mean, we saw it with Baylor in 21. They, I think they got up to fourth, mm-hmm. um, even though no one was – Back in the giving the many, right? <laughs> no one was giving them any consideration for the playoff, and they shouldn't have. But usually, you see one of those teams in there. But no, I think that's I think that's fair. I think Texas, yeah. I mean, I thought Ohio State would have been a little bit higher, just because the name on the front of the Brand. jersey, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can see that honestly. But like, good for Missouri, man. I mean, they had a great year. They did. Mm-hmm. So did Ole Miss. Kind of quietly, these teams that you know, aren't going to play for the SEC championship, but had pretty darn good years. Especially well, you go 11 and 2. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of teams out there that would take 11 and 2 every year. Yeah. I'll take it just once. 
I mean, it's, it, <laughs> that, that's Pretty a successful good. season. Yeah. And that's why you're in the top ten. But you're right. I think Ole Miss, out of all of them, and maybe Missouri's right there with them, were the most quiet top ten teams in the nation. Yeah. Because they were always there, and I don't think Ole Miss played Alabama or Georgia. One, but not the other. Um, and so they didn't have those big games. Missouri didn't play either of those two teams, I don't think. So mm-hmm. uh, you just, they were quietly there. And again, they weren't going to play for the conference championship. But, I mean, to go 11-2 and two at Missouri in the SEC, that, that's a heck of a job for Drinkwitz. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a very long time since and the Tigers have been able to do that. They've had some lows here in the SEC. They've, very. They've been just as bad as Vanderbilt some of these years. Like, mm-hmm. just completely irrelevant. But they're there. They're up there. They're with the big dogs, top 10. That might be the most surprising of the top 10, if you would ask me, before the season. I mean, I, I could have given so. you the rest of those in some, some other order. Maybe not Ole Miss, but it wouldn't have stunned me. Missouri stunned me. I yeah. I agree. They beat a lot of good teams this year. Yeah, that's beat that's Kansas probably State. the most surprising team in college football. Yeah, yeah. Good for no them. doubt. Good and, for them. Good and for it's them. one of those I'll I'll get old manny a little bit here too. Uh that gets lost in college football these days because now it is not even the absolute of winning the conference championship, but you've got to be in that college football playoff to be a big program and be considered to have a good season, right? Like those upper, if you're a power five school, you have got to be in consideration for the playoff or be in the playoff for the masses to say, boy, that was a great season. Mm -hmm. And we know that's not the case. I mean, we see it with, with Baylor and their best years aren't in the playoff, obviously never been to the playoff. Uh, But Missouri is that great example this year. 11-2 11-2 and two at Missouri. That's really good. Anyway, that's me getting sentimental a little bit, opining <laughs> for the days of college football when we could just say 10-win season. That's pretty good. Coming up in the 2025 season, we'll get to the 12-team playoff, which I welcome with open arms. I wish it was larger. Yes. But it is what it is. It's a, it's a step in the right direction, and it's way early. But entering the offseason, the betting favorite for next year's national champion is. Drum roll, please. Alabama Crimson. Alabama. Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, One or two. One or two. (laughs) They're the betting favorite. Alabama, they're 17 to four. Uh, Alabama, six to one. Ohio State, eight to one. Michigan, nine to one. Texas, nine to one. Oregon, 12 to one. Ole Miss, 14 to one. LSU, 15 to one. And it goes on down from there. Who's Ohio so. State's quarterback next year? Uh, the Kansas State quarterback. Will Howard, yeah. Will Howard, yeah. They're thinking third well, just think next year, since there's Ooh, no Pac-12, Washington and Michigan will meet again. Yeah? Depends on the division. I, I don't know what it. the schedule and the yeah. divisions are yet. Well, true. But it could be but a conference be. championship game. It could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is one Michigan Wolverines without Jim Harbaugh? Yes. I agree. And I don't think it takes very long for this to unfold. I'm interested to see where they go with that. I think, I mean, their defensive coordinator should be a head coach in the Power Five. Do they take that risk coming off a national championship promoting a D.C. who's 
pretty young. I mean, he's in his early 30s, mid-30s. But at this point, the other option for a school like Michigan at this point in the cycle is looking to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Wait, I don't know he, who that is. Who was the coach on Michigan that um, took over when Harbaugh couldn't be there? Is that who you're talking about? Uh, no. So this is a, that's a different guy. I don't know his name. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, he did pretty good. I, it's something to think about. I mean, he's one who you would have also thought would have gotten some interviews the way um, the the guy who filled in at A&M got some interviews as well. It's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm looking at where they would look at this point in the cycle. I mean, maybe you can pry someone away from a major program, but I think if you're Michigan with the staff that Harbaugh's had here the last couple of years, been able to retain the last couple of years, you could well see them promote from within. Well, right now the top candidates for Michigan, and this is all speculation. Let's hear it. Is Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, I think Jeff, he was the one who stepped in. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Jess Minter, the defensive coordinator. Uh, Washington head coach, DeBoer. Oh, Does he leave Washington and go to that Michigan? that be something? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, Washington can throw some big money at him. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as Michigan, but even with the with the Big Ten deal money coming in, too. I mean, they can throw a good bag at him to stay in Seattle. At, I don't think he'll, he would go. I don't know. I mean. It's a heck of a hot it, name, it's, though. It's a hot name, and it's also a hot job. Yeah, Coming off a national championship, and it's still the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than Michigan when it comes to a college football head coaching (laughs) job. How about Chris Kleiman, Mm. Kansas State head coach? Yeah, yeah. If I'm a Michigan fan, I'm salivating at that, personally. Mm -hmm. Either of the Kansas coaches. I mean, he's won four SCS championships. So, I mean... (laughs) Charlotte head coach, Hoagie. Uh, it doesn't, wow. that doesn't Minnesota head coach, P.J. Fleck. I don't think so. I don't think so no either. Chance. I mean, look, we all love not gonna the go there. positivity of Fleck, but he calls Minnesota a sleeping giant. They haven't even won eight games yet, I don't think, under him. No. You're seven. Here's another name for you. Row the boat. Deion you know Sanders. Nah. I was thinking you might say that, Ward. I was thinking that. I would, if I'm a Michigan he, fan, I'd say no. Yeah, I would too. And but I get it. I get it. He wants to coach his sons, and they can't transfer, right? Oh, his quarterback they, they can't transfer anymore. Am no, they can't transfer anymore. But if Michigan rolled out the money to Deion Sanders, his sons would be on their own. Maybe. And they will make their way to Ann Arbor whenever. Yeah, that, they, they would. Yeah, they, some, somehow that would happen. Yeah, or, or just eventually. Like, I, I get it. I, I think Dion is great for what the position that Colorado was in. Right? They could take that risk. They needed something. They they were at the bottom of the barrel again. Something we have seen them dip down to quite a few times in their history the bottom of the power five barrel and he comes in, brings in all these transfers, brings in all this hype and, you know, I mean, four and eight, the most hyped four and eight team of all time. I think they should be a bold team next year. So for Colorado, that's great for Michigan coming off a national championship and still, you know, undefined as to what Dion can do at this level if they go from national champions and drop down to seven and five with Dion, 
the hype train ain't all there. It's not. Not at Michigan. Um, but I, I think it is it's an interesting name. I think it's interesting. I don't know that I don't know that 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 really fits, but it's just you know if he went Michigan needs, but but the vibe at Michigan is hey we're the big boys come knock us down right yes they have the in your face attitude at Michigan I'd be a fan. does Dion have that same type absolutely yeah absolutely he does can can Dion go in there where are you going to get more nil Colorado. Or Michigan. Michigan. True. I, I'm honestly, I'm still waiting to see if Dion can coach. <laughs> I mean, he did he did a good job at Jackson State. He did. Probably better than I thought he was going to do with a guy with no experience. But at this level, we don't know whether he can really coach yet. Mm-hmm. I think the jury is very I think it's fair to say the jury is still out on that. I if I'm Michigan. And I'm taking that kind of flyer. I think I'd rather take it on my defensive coordinator than on Deion Sanders, personally. I agree. I'm just you saying. Know? I mean, that There's name, a lot of good that that name is going to come out. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely is. Um, and then Georgia defensive coordinator, Glenn Schumann. Schumann. I mean, I don't know that he leaves Kirby Smart, though. He has only coached under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. Someone is getting a diamond in the rough if he ever leaves. He was on my Baylor shortlist before they said they wanted a head coach. I don't know if that was going to happen. It'll be interesting. I don't. I, I'm like you though. I don't think. I don't think Harbaugh's there. No. By next month. No. L. A. Vegas. I think he's with the Chargers. Arizona, if they want to give up and get someone like him. Yeah, but it, I mean, year. if you're if you're Jim Harbaugh, yeah, where where do you go that fits? Chargers, jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sorry, right. sorry. The, with the Chargers, I mean, I'm not going to taking over Arizona. With the Chargers, no. they're a mess. That he is in a great leverage spot right now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Of I just I have the acumen in the NFL. You know, we 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 make fun of um of Dan Quinn because he only made a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh only made a Super Bowl. He didn't win it, but has taken a team to the Super Bowl, just reached the zenith in college football, um and happens to finish up his season around the time of Black Monday. So he's in a great leverage situation, more so than most coaches, if not all college coaches who are looking to go to the NFL. Well, I think he's the number one candidate for college coaches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just won a national championship, and somehow you kept a team together when you missed the first part of the season and the end of the season. I mean, there's something to be said about that because he was still around the program. He just wasn't on the sidelines on game day. And so being able to hold that team together and get them through that, I mean – there's going to be some NFL guys looking at him going, hmm, he knows how to let players be players. Right. And, and two, just kind of looking at his whole time at Michigan, I think is so impressive because we talked about it yesterday, the way he turned around San Francisco, the way he turned around Stanford. I argue that what he did at Michigan might have been even tougher because Michigan was good. They were on the ascent when they got him. And for years, they couldn't win the big games. I mean, they couldn't beat Michigan State. They couldn't beat Ohio State. They couldn't win the Big Ten. And 
this guy was fired three years ago. Like, so fired. They they were sick of it. They couldn't get over the hump. And he had all this hype and the who has it better than us and the jump man deal and these great signing deals. But he was Jimbo Fisher for a couple years at Michigan. And then this switch just flips. And they're running over Ohio State. They're winning the Big Ten. They're in the playoff. And then he takes them that extra step and actually wins the darn thing. He did what's tougher, arguably, than turning around a team and bringing them to to major bowls of taking that team that was perennial losers for a generation, which never happens at Michigan, and turned it on like that into national championship contenders and then national champions. So (laughs) you can't say, I mean, this is one of the great coaching jobs we have seen in the last 10, 15 years, I'd say. I agree. The way he's taken them over the top. I'll just point out that they finally started winning those big games that they lost every time under Harbaugh when when they started cheating. Well, <laughs> I mean that's that's the timeline. Give me a break. The timeline matches up exactly for when they did the extra scouting and started winning. You can say it's coincidence. It is. I don't. There's no cheating. Whatever. Sign stealing. No, he just got suspended for six games because, because he needed the rest. NCAA. They cheated and they, oh they cheated and they won. You know, NCAA just like the Astros, just like the Patriots. No. No, it's a rule, and they broke it. I no. know you don't care, but some people oh. do. Sign stealing has been going on since the beginning That's of time. That's not what they were accused of. Yes, it is. No, they but were they accused of illegally sign stealing. Yeah, There's a difference. A, they had a guy in the stadium You can steal signs. You can't send them on the road ahead of you. It's, oh, yes, you can. It ain't Spygate. Yes, you different. can. Different. Anyways. <laughs> More NFL news coming up in the press box as another coach bites the dust. Nikki Collin and the Bears on ESPN Central Texas. The Baylor women on the road in Big 12 play this Wednesday, headed to Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. 6 p.m. for the countdown to tip-off. 6.30 tip-off Wednesday. Tune into Baylor women's basketball with Derek Smith and Lori Fogelman all season long on ESPN Central Texas. Paparola's Pizza, Waco's oldest family-owned pizzeria, with two locations to serve you better, Valley Mills Drive and Hewitt Drive. Come down in for a unique experience or use their convenient drive through on the way home. Order online at paparolos.com and use the coupon code online for 10% off your order. That's paparolos.com and use the coupon code online for 10% off your order. Paparolos, voted the best pizza in Waco. I'm Kyle Tumbleton, general manager of Jeff Hunter Toyota. Toyota is ranked number one for the most reliable vehicles, with data compiled from more than 300,000 vehicles built between 2000 and 2022. If you're in search of a new vehicle, Jeff Hunter Toyota offers a full selection of new Toyota models, along with a vast inventory of pre-owned vehicles. Stop by and see me or any of our team members for a great car at a fair price. Jeff Hunter Toyota. Toyota quality. Waco values. The importance of a good set of tires on your vehicle is key for safe and efficient travel. Texas weather can drastically affect the condition of your tires. Make sure your family is safe no matter what the conditions bring. At Gish's Complete Car Care Center, they carry and service all major tire brands. Yokohama, Michelin, Goodrich, and more. 
Let their team of seasoned professional service technicians service your vehicle today. Also, take advantage of their easy and efficient drive-up canopy and complimentary shuttle service to get you where you need to go until they get you rolling great again. Kish's Complete Car Care Service, where keeping you safe is their business. Kish's Complete Car Care Center, located at 5300 Franklin Avenue in Waco and CompleteCarCareCenter.com. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. Save to win at First Central Credit Union. Only $25 to start your Save to Win account. Every $25 deposit is another chance to win up to $5,000 in quarterly prizes. Save to Win accounts must be activated January 1st through April 30th. First Central's Save to Win account is the smartest way to save. Everything we do, we do for you. Speak with a member service rep for details. Go online at firstcentralcu.com for official rules. Subject to membership eligibility and application policies, member NCUA. Okay, so what's the most important part about your house? No, it's not that bar or even the man cave. Think about it. The most important thing is your roof. It has to withstand all that Mother Nature can throw your way. So it makes sense to have the best. McAdams & Sons Roofing is your first choice when it comes to protecting your valuable asset. Experienced professionals using only the best materials. So for new construction, re-roofs, repairs, or remodels for composition and metal roofs, think McAdams & Sons Roofing first. And now McAdams & Sons Roofing are installing seamless gutters. They're insured and an A-plus rating on the BBB. McAdams & Sons Roofing will come out, take a look at your roof, and handle all the insurance process for you. Don't let any fly-by-night company look at your roof. Let a real professional you trust do the work for you. Put McAdams & Sons over 40 years of experience to go to work for you all over Central Texas. Check them out online at mcadamsroofing.com or give them a call at 254-799-2949 because you don't want a kid with your house's lid. Mosby's Land Management is a family-owned business that's been serving Central Texas area for over 20 years. We're an all-inclusive land management company that provides services such as tree trimming and removal, stump grinding, land cleaning and clearing, mulching services, demolition, cleanup, haul-off, culvert installation. Give a local Central Texas company an opportunity to work for you on your farm, ranch, personal property. Give me, Mosby, a call, 254-749-1648 or check us out on Facebook. I'll treat your place like it's my own. Go Cowboys! This is Dallas Cowboys football 2023. Prescott's back to throw, looking right. Only heard here. Throws it in the end zone, caught for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. All season. By C.D. Lamb. Sunday afternoon, it's playoff football with your Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Live from AT&T Stadium. On this Dallas Cowboys radio network station. It's the Cowboys and the Packers. Sunday starting with the pregame at 2 here on ESPN Central Texas. Ah, look at you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Press Box. Cameron Stewart, Ward Wayne, and Aaron Sexton along with you here on this terrific Tuesday. And Black Monday was yesterday, Cameron, but it continues into today. As just a little while ago, the Tennessee Titans have decided that Mike Vrabel is no longer the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. He has been fired as of this morning. Interesting, I think. I, I, the team I is was not a going little, in the right direction. When I heard direction. this, I was a little bit surprised. Me too. 
The team really is not was. going in the right direction, but it's, to me, not the coach's fault. Um, I would take a look, if I were them, of firing the general manager. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised, and I think <laughs> there's not a lot of head coaches in the NFL get fired after stop number one, nine games over 500. Like, there are plenty of teams. I mean, the franchises we talk about that would be able to take a flyer on Bill Belichick, like, those teams are foaming at the mouth to get an interview with Mike Frabel. I would I think would, so. And by the way, I mean... We talk about the Titans aren't going in the right direction now. They certainly weren't when they hired him. And no. he built a foundation around them with Derrick Henry, who you'll remember, I mean, won the Heisman Trophy, but he's like a third-round pick. I mean, not a lot of teams were really like, this is our franchise guy, the way they might have said with Saquon Barkley. And he turned him into a franchise guy. I mean, he had the number one seed, won a couple of playoff games with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. Of How all many people. teams in the league can do that? And so <laughs> I, I really many. like Mike Frabel. I was surprised. Three playoff appearances from 2018 to 21, which you're, what you're talking about. The last two seasons, very frustrating for, for them. But, I mean, is – I mean – the buck stops here with your head coach. I get yep, that. Yep. But he's not getting any help from the front office either on bolstering up that roster year in and year out. And even at the last ball game, you, you saw Derrick Henry address the crowd and say farewell, thanks for the time in Tennessee. Yeah, that didn't yeah. help matters either. Yeah, that didn't help. Uh, and, yeah, I, I look at the personnel decisions, and the most notable ones are wide receiver, right? They let A.J. Brown walk, and everyone was – he owed about that. And on the field, yeah, that hasn't looked good. He's been really good in Philadelphia. But you've noticed what's happened in Philadelphia the last few weeks, and A.J. Brown has been right in the middle of that. Oh, and then they bring in, uh, what's his name, Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And he becomes a locker room cancer. And then the next year they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, and things continue to go south for them. So, uh, you're right. The buck stops with the head coach, but it looks like one of those situations where a head coach is just pleading for some help at this position and they cannot evaluate the right guy. And they have spent some capital trying to bring in those right guys and it has not worked. Does he land on his feet? Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, whatever team isn't getting Harbaugh, would, I, I would think love to have Rabel. I, I'm just going to I'm just going to throw this out there and you reel it in if need be. Yeah, and okay. and I I don't I don't okay. know that it, I mean it's just a guesstimate on my part. I think Jim goes to the Chargers. Okay. I think Fair. that's I think that deal has been talked about behind closed doors for a while now. I I just think that that's that's the fit for him. And for him, I think he feels like he can go in there because he's got an established quarterback. Yep. He's got some peace. There's more pieces there than anywhere else in the landscape of open jobs right now in the NFL, in my opinion. It's weirdly a pretty stable situation for how much of a dumpster fire it was this year. Right. Like, you look at it on paper, if you're a coach looking at, you know, opening positions, and you're like, yeah, Vegas would be great, and they've got some young guys, but who's the quarterback there? Or even in Arizona, you're like, 
I'm using this. How much of my salary cap for Kyler Murray? And then you look at L.A. and you're like, well, Herbert doesn't seem to be the problem. Maybe he's not got the hype he had two years ago, but very workable. I mean, mm-hmm. a rookie of the year quarterback. Well, you go in and, there and you change the offensive coordinator's first thing you do. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I think, yes, I think that is a, the the best situation that Harbaugh can walk into. I, I think so. And it's just my opinion, which leaves a couple of the other openings. I think Vrabel, I think he lands on his feet in Vegas. I think it's a perfect fit for him. But do they? Do, is he too close to the Patriot way for them? Heard Q uh, talk about it. The Raiders maybe. want to distance themselves from that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't. he didn't coach under Belichick, so that's one thing. He played under him. But he, he played under him, him, but he co- didn't coach under yeah. him. And I don't think the Titans really mirror the Patriots. No, no. I mean, in anything they do. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, most glaring is Vrabel's a much more successful head coach than Josh McDaniels was. Yes. McDaniels got two stops, and it didn't work at either of them. Mm-hmm. Rabel's had one where he's been pretty stable. I mean, again, I mean, we know the NFL is got the quickest trigger we've ever seen it in terms of quarterback, personnel, and specifically head coach. And he's been the head coach there. How long was he there? I think Seven this was years? his, let's see. Six years. Six, Six years. years. And has, I think, one losing season? Mm-hmm. Like, that is unheard of for a fired coach in this league these days so yeah I mean if I'm Vegas and I know I'm probably at the short end of the stick with the with the um with the Harbaugh sweepstakes and we've taken some chances on our last few head coaches that didn't work you know bringing Gruden out of the broadcast booth to try and rekindle that magic and oh let's take Josh McDaniels again maybe he's learned his lesson this time both of those were big risks Vrabel is not a big risk. I mean, again, Vrabel, in terms of an NFL head coach looking for jobs, he's as stable as they come in this day and age, I think. So, yeah, I think Vegas should be all over that. Blank check. I think his personality is a fit for Vegas. Not everybody can go into that organization and just fit. I don't think Josh McDaniels ever really fit. No. Um. Gruden, I don't know. I I think it was more of a let's try to sell some tickets deal. Yeah, let's with let's the Gruden throw some deal. juice in this. It was right before the move, right? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing too is um, the looking at Vrabel with the Tannehill the last couple of years, the Tannehill experiment, which at the end of the day was really not bad. There have been two teams since Vrabel has coached in the league, there have been two teams that have been consistently good without a Pro Bowl even quarterback, mm-hmm. and that's San Francisco and Tennessee. And we know the quarterback prospectus in Vegas. It hasn't been good the last couple of years. It doesn't show any signs of stopping. So you want to bring in someone who can win without a top-tier quarterback? You've got two guys, and one of them ain't leaving San Francisco anytime soon. The other is Mike Frabel. I, I agree. And at what point, though, if he does go in and take that job, does he just look at him and say, okay, enough with this quarterback revolving door. Let's go get a franchise quarterback. I mean, he has to. I mean, he, That's he the only to way right to get it done, yeah. right? Yeah. And what I'm thinking is. I mean, do you, go to, do you go to the Bears 
and say, hmm, you up for a trade? Well, see, that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Because a lot of other teams would say, I, I don't know where Vegas is picking, probably just at the high end of the top 10. Do we risk some draft capital, trade up to three, and try to get one of these guys, these Jaden Daniels or a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, whomever is left, or do we do something like that where we say, you know, I can still give up some draft capital, not as much, and get a Justin Fields in here, a kid who, you know, maybe needs a better situation, but at his worst is not going to hurt us at quarterback. Because I know these are very different players, but that description sounds like a Ryan Tannehill. You know, at his worst, he's not hurting us. We're just getting over, you know, average. And so I I think Rabel is one of the coaches that can do that. I do too. And, and they're I, not I, in the I position think that to that's get one where of those you, guys. I mean, look, the Bears got the number one pick. We all know what they're going to go with. And Fields is out. They're going to try to move on from him. Yeah. It's not worked in Chicago with him. You can. Probably get Fields for a second or maybe even a third round pick. I think so. I would too. say so. And you yeah. had two years of control on him at a pretty good. I mean, what salary did the, what did the Cowboys give up for Trey Lance? A fourth, fourth. Yeah, and so I know that's different. A, Trey Lance didn't play. Well, but if you but, get a fourth for Trey Lance, you can get a second. For that's Justin what I'm Fields. thinking. Yeah, that's, that's what point. I'm thinking. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not trading your whatever ninth pick, uh, and next year's first like you would have to 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 move up, maybe two first to move up in the draft and instead waste, waste quote-unquote, a second and get someone like Justin Fields in there who you still, I mean, there's still plenty of upside for him. I mean, it, it makes sense, and but you know the NFL doesn't always make sense. No, <laughs> seldom does it. By the way, the Bears do have two top ten picks are, in this year's draft. They're loaded. They're in a great spot. They can take whatever quarterback they want, or they could trade. I don't think they will, but they could trade down and get a Herschel Walker Hall for that pick. And they still have another top 10 pick mm-hmm. as well. So Ooh, it's, uh, it's such a such a great trade for them uh, with Carolina last year. Vegas picks 13th. 13th. Oh, is yeah. that the worst position to be in? That's like the Giants. They won just 13th. enough games Ugh. to not – have enough draft capital Six, to move up to get nobody. a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Washington did it right. Lost eight in a row. <laughs> Seal up that number two pick. Barely over strength of schedule over the Patriots. It'll be interesting. I, I think he lands somewhere, though. I, Vegas sounds good. I like that one for him. I think it fits. I do. And again, I think, I think Harbaugh is at... That's the best job for him to look at and go, that's where I want to be if I'm him. Now, he yeah. he may want to go in and say, you know what? I don't want to go in to where I have all these pieces in place from the front office. I want to build from the ground up. Now, where that is, I don't know. Maybe that is Vegas, building from the ground up. Could be. Arizona, probably not going to be because Kyler Murray. That's, that's a tough situation there. That's a I'm I'm not going there because of Kyler Murray. And no offense, but he's not going to get you to the next level. No. He's just not. No. At any point in time, he's not going to get you to the next level. He's an average NFL quarterback. By the way, the place where Vrabel had his very best days in the NFL could 
could still have a head coach opening in the next few days here. Could. But as we sit here at almost I, 1 o'clock Central Time on Tuesday with no announcement on Bill Belichick, I would lean towards he is staying. I think he is. I don't know. What's the hesitation from Kraft? I don't know. Kraft is a, he is at the end of the day, still kind of a quirky guy. It wouldn't totally stun me if he fires him on Thursday, but you would think that decision would have been made one way or the other. Well, I mean, what we heard yesterday is he's going to give up part of the control yep. to be able to stay the head coach. I mean, is that the end of it? It might be, and and McDaniel's was actually at the Patriots game the last uh, on Sunday, and now there's rumors of him saying he would he would take the OC job again, and I think if that gets presented to someone like Kraft, and it's kind of like a hey, we're getting the band back together kind <laughs> of thing, I think that could buy him another year, which would be by the way, let's just play that out. McDaniel's comes in, Belichick's your head coach. And let's play out that Mac Jones is still your quarterback, as I shudder. That would be four years of Mac Jones and the fourth different offensive coordinator. Which is not a good combination. No, and and there is still part of me that has a lot of sympathy for the kid. He, he, He has not gotten a fair shot that some of his contemporaries have gotten in the league. But some of the throws this year, I'm thinking... Boy, I don't care who's showing him the throw on the iPad after that. It's not making it any better. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Rabel, I mean, if if they decide, you know, we find out before the end of the show, Belichick's gone, Rabel has to be at the top of that list. A guy Makes who's sense. been there would bring enough of that quote-unquote patriot way if you still believe in that crap. And he brings enough of that, has won in that place, and has won as a head coach I would take him in a heartbeat, personally. It'll be interesting. The carousel is rolling at full speed. Coming up next, he's back. Matt Mosley, weekdays from 3 to 6 on ESPN Central Texas. To me, it was kind of a rude awakening for the ponies. Paid their way to be with the big boys in a Power 5 conference. I don't think we should read too much into these bowl games, but if you're going to complain that you should be in a New Year's Six Bowl, you better go handle a 6-6 six and six ACC team. Matt Mosley, weekdays from 3 to 6 on ESPN Central Texas. Mosby's Land Management is a family-owned business that's been serving the Central Texas area for over 20 years. We're an all-inclusive land management company that provides services such as tree trimming and removal, stump grinding, land cleaning and clearing, mulching services, demolition, cleanup, haul-off, culvert installation. Give a local Central Texas company an opportunity to work for you on your farm, ranch, personal property. Give me, Mosby, a call, 254-749-1648, or check us out on Facebook. I'll treat your place like it's my own. Don't miss the all-new Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Hundreds of tables of guns, knives, ammo, and accessories. Whether a first-time buyer or looking for that special piece to add to your gun, knife, or military collection, they have what you're looking for. Visit their website, BeltonGunShow.com, or call 817-732-1194. The Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Since 2006, Scott's Lease Trailers has leased commercial belly dump trailers and commercial flatbed trailers to customers throughout Central Texas. 
The leases at Scott's Lease Trailers are available long-term or short-term. They have several trailers to choose from, and all their trailers are guaranteed to pass Texas Department of Transportation inspection at pickup. Family-owned and operated and located in Cossie, Scott's Lease Trailers. They will answer your phone call no matter the day or time. Call James at 254-422-5375. That's 254-422-5375. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. Some of those old injuries, they begin to creep up and things begin to start hurting again. I finally got to the point where I'm like, I can't just wake up and know my knee's going to be bothering me and push through this on a daily basis. Old football injuries can't keep former college and pro football player Bobby Carpenter down. So he decided to check out the all-natural regenerative pain treatments at QC Kinetics. I was fortunate enough to obviously sit down with QC and kind of understand your body still has the ability to heal in it. We just need to give it a little bit of a boost. Exactly. QC Kinetics concentrates your body's own healing agents in your painful hips, shoulders, knees, or back. Everyone can say, well, you need to replace this or replace that, but it's no surprise to see people being willing to try this first, especially when it has such great results. QC Kinetics treatments take place the same day right in the office. No doubt. Time. Call today for your complimentary consultation and see if you're a good candidate. Call QC Kinetics, 254-415-4100. That's 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. Hi, my name is Amanda Cunningham. I am a local realtor that has a passion for people. I've helped clients buy and sell over 80 homes in 2019 and would love to help you buy or sell that perfect home. You deserve to get top dollar for your home. Listing with an experienced agent that specializes in not only promoting your home, but helping you get your home buyer ready is key. I have a team of people around me that make what I do each day possible. If you're searching for that perfect home, your experience should be pleasant and stress-free. Call me today. I want to meet you. 254-495-0338. Google Amanda Cunningham Realtor with Colwell Banker Apex to find my website, Facebook, and more. La Fiesta Restaurant and Cantina has been Waco's favorite Tex-Mex since 1963. Voted the best fajitas, enchiladas, and chili con queso around Central Texas. La Fiesta, a delicious selection of Mexican classics and Texas favorites. You can order any of the delish Tex-Mex food online at LaFiesta.com or stop on by at 3815 Franklin Avenue in Waco. La Fiesta, where passion is the most important ingredient. From the La Fiesta family to yours, have a happy new year. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport. The thrill of victory the agony of defeat. The human drama of athletic competition. It's time for Stephanie Sports Talk, sponsored by Advanced House Leveling and Foundation Repair, Epperson Tractor, Lafayette Restaurant and Cantina, King Ranch Turfgrass, Mosby's Land Management, Myatt Fuels, and now, here's Stephanie. Ta-da! <laughs> wow. Waited all day new. for that. <laughs> Got to come up with something new. That's all I can say about that. I agree. Oh, gosh, Drake. Don't jump on that bandwagon Excuse with me? Aaron. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, what what's that your name, name again? <laughs> Good luck. I can't. Mm. Uh, I'm putting in my is... two weeks. No, you're not. I like you better anyways. Oh, okay. Look how the tables have turned. Got some work to you're do. You're my Stephanie. favorite. You've got some work to do. You're my favorite. I'll buy you a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> Gladly pay you Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. <laughs> yeah. 
So we're talking football, football. So I'm going to give you guys some Super Bowl facts or knowledge. All right. Some few things. Okay. It's awful early. Not that early. We don't early. even know who's going to be performing at the parties. It's too early. Well, well, I've been checking. I've been checking. I need you on top of that. I am. Trust me. I got you. I got I've got to call into you. Vegas. Anyways, okay, here we go. So, did you know that the Super Bowl is the second largest food consumption day in the U.S. after Thanksgiving? I would think it would be first, but okay. I would too. I'm not surprised, but I did not know that. I think they kill more turkeys than chickens on Thanksgiving. Oh. Now, this year, your 30-second commercials are starting at $7 million. Okay. For 30 seconds. Lot, well, yeah, but they were lower last year, I think, but maybe by a million. But they can go up to ten million. All right. Okay. Retailers are uh huh. Retailers are already gearing up. They started gearing up in December for the Super Bowl, mainly like Frito Lay, um, mm-hmm. a- avocados from Mexico. That'll okay. be one. Yep. All them peoples. So. Did you know that more avocados and guacamole are consumed during the Super Bowl than there is all year long? No, I don't doubt it. I thought that was kind of well. I don't know because you eat avocado. They eat avocados in other places besides here. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So unless there's, I don't know. I mean, because guacamole is. If you go to a Super Bowl party, what is it? There's always guacamole and chips. So I don't know. However. Maybe so, because 50 million pounds of, go- of avocados are consumed during the Super Bowl. During the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. All right. It's an, that I can is, see that. Okay, they say it's enough to cover a football field with more than 75 feet of guacamole. <laughs> that wow. would be kind of fun, like smash the guacamoles and go running into it, like slide. Wouldn't that be yeah, fun? I get, yeah. Okay, Do you, you think we could try that out here as well? On the hill? On the hill. Yeah. On the hill. The guacamole like the and the ice right here the, on yeah. the hill. Okay, moving on. More than 1.25 billion chicken wings will be consumed. That is a that. lot of chickens to yes, grow. Yes, I can cover right. that. I right. mean, how do they grow all those chickens? I mean, I still can't. I talked about this last year. I do not understand how they can get that many chickens. Well, they have more than that. And what's crazy is there's no country called chicken like Turkey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I just they have, wonder where these come I, from. Okay, but I'm sure they have. Chickens. But a mama chicken and a daddy chicken love each other. I mean, Sanderson can't make that many chickens. Well, there's other. I know there's chicken farms. I see them on the highway sometimes. Yes, but I mean, I would think but those I, are some a, deceitful SOBs, man. You ever seen Chicken Run? Mm-hmm. Those things are slippery. Stephanie has no idea what I'm talking about. I don't. I don't understand. No clue. What is happening? You ever seen the movie Chicken Run? No. That's a movie? Yeah, yes. it's great. Great. It's probably a guy flick or something. I, mm. I would. That's how I would categorize yeah. it. Yeah, just my bros getting around Who's watching in Chicken Run. Who's in it? Stupid I mean, people? the voice of Mel Gibson's in it, if that interests you. No. It is a claymation movie about chickens escaping from a chicken farm. Oh. Well, they're smart to Big escape because I don't want to become a chicken Big wing. For bachelor party. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Twenty four hundred calories will be consumed on average by 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 each person. By each person. No. 20, really? 
think about it, okay? Mm-mm. If you're drinking a beer, unless it's a live beer. It. I can imagine this. Okay. Yep. And you've got all your snacks. Okay. Or you're doing whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're eating wings, okay, mm-hmm. it adds up. I mean, six chicken wings, depending on if you're frying them or baking them and what sauce you're putting in, can alone be like 900 calories. Okay. So, yeah, 2,400. Mm. Not me. I'll, I'll just eat celery. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Over 30 million pounds, pounds of food will be consumed that day. Okay. 12.5. I don't want to interrupt. Okay, but you can. Are we talking about in the United States or yes. worldwide? In the United States. There we go. Okay, now. Who in across the world is going to watch the Super Bowl? Everybody. It's they the do, most yeah. watched event in the world. More so I watched than it every year. Cup? Yes. Interesting. All right. 12.5 million pizzas will be eaten. Okay. I can see that. So if they're watching it in Italy, you know they're eating pizza over there too. Okay. Here are your top 10 Super Bowl party foods, and this shocked me. Okay. Well, number 10. Are you going to go number 10 and yeah. 1? Okay. Yeah. 10. Spinach artichoke dip. All right. Yeah. It's always at the table. I see it. Pigs in a blanket. Yes. Yes. Nachos. Yes. Hummus. No. Hummus is like number seven on the list. My son, when he does his parties, always has it. It's. I think that's. I a guess it's a, I wish I was healthy enough to to do that. Yeah. No. I like I think hummus. It's a generation hummus thing. I'm not a hummus fan, but mm. it is what it is. I don't know. Buffalo wings was number yeah. six. Chili was number five. Chili. Chili. I guess if you're up in the north, like where Cam's from, they eat chili up there because it's cold. I mean, I don't know. I think that's more of a south food. I do, too. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, we ate chili, but it wasn't like, it wasn't oh, the football game's on. It wasn't on, an, an event like outside. it is down here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, really, like, we make chili. It's a deal. We have chili cook-offs. <laughs> okay, tater tots is number four. Tater tots? I've never I'll, made tater tots in my life. I'm like sure at not home? Gonna, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could buy the Orida stuff. But, but why would you put, I guess maybe if you're having a hot dog, but hot dog didn't even make the top two. Never or been a to hamburger. a Super Bowl party that uh, Here, have some tater, tater tots. tots. I haven't either. Or hummus. No. Okay, chips I, and salsa. Yeah, where are these <laughs> Well, yeah, you're saying, I don't know. Chips and salsa. Number two is guacamole. Okay, this is wild. Number one. Meatballs. That's just not true. That list is. The Google now, side wings, it, wings is I mean, the number one. Super Bowl food. I'm just saying. I've at 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 our parties. There's always a crock pot full of meatballs. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not out of place. Bar- no, barbecue meatballs. Yeah, I make some for like. Yeah, I can see meatballs, but not. I'm gonna agree there and not with number one. I would think it would be chicken wings and pizza, but um, this is just like a party snack food. It's not so right. Pizza could be considered a meal, I guess. But um, okay, and then lastly, these are the top ranked Americans top ten. Like different states, you know, going through Arkansas. You know what they eat? Fried pickles. I thought fried pickles came from like Georgia. I don't. I don't know where they came from. I don't either. I think that's firmly Dixie. I think you can you can have them in Mississippi too. Yeah. In Colorado, <laughs> they eat garlic knots. Garlic knots. I'm in on that. The little breads. take me a mile high, baby. I'll eat some garlic knots. I love that. Anything that's going to make my breath smell terrible, chances are I like it. Your girlfriend ain't going to want to kiss you after that. <laughs> oh, De- trust me, I hear it a lot. Delaware's crab ball. Ooh. I can see that because they're closer to the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's probably fresh crab too. Yeah. Oh, and I Delaware bet it's, I bet it's good. Delaware should not exist. <laughs> I didn't even really know it make was a Maryland state. Bigger. I don't care. Idaho and Utah seven layer dip, which that surprised me because. Okay. 
But maybe not because Indians live there, like my people, American Indians. I would Does think that have to do with the seven It's Mexican dip. food. I didn't think they have Mexican restaurants up there. Yes, they do. They have Mexican restaurants they everywhere. They have Taco Bell. No, oh, they have real Mexican everyone restaurants. Everyone has Mexican. Everywhere has Mexican restaurants. Okay. Now it may not be. <laughs> it may not be as good as it he, is here well, no. up north, but I'm sure there's some that are up there that are good. Maybe so. Okay, Nevada and Washington, hummus. Okay, I okay. can see that. Oregon sweet potato fries. Surprising. Uh-huh. Um, South Carolina chili dogs, and West Virginia's pepperoni roll. See, I'm not wasting any of my of Super Bowl food. Not all of them. I just okay. picked the weirdest ones. I'm not wasting any of my Super Bowl because I I like to have the buffet with the snacks out and everything, the chips and the salsa and right. the nachos right. and the meatballs and the little um, Eckridge weenies that you put in. <laughs> the barbecue sauce. Yeah, those are good. You know, those little teeny tiny weenie dogs or whatever. Yeah, no, those I know good. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. Mm. I'm not wasting it on hot dogs for the Super Bowl. I'm not eating a hot dog for the Super Bowl. I'm not either. Yeah, I'm not either. I'll time, I'll but... do like the meatballs and the wings and all that, but I don't. Yeah. Is there is there anything you would consider weird that's usually in your spread? Like that you wouldn't see at other places or no? No, I don't think so. Stephanie? No, no, because I mean, I'm normal. Oh, okay. Says <laughs> you. I gotcha. Oh, you Says convinced me. You, you convinced me. <laughs> And so I would just do the normal thing. I don't know. I just thing. didn't know if you guys were like, oh, well, we really love crab cakes. We just throw those in for the soup. Crab cakes, no. Or tater tots. I mean, come to mind. I have never seen a tater tot. A I might do that this year now. Uh, yeah. I might do that this year now. But I've never seen tater tots on a any kind of party buffet. No, I, I've seen french fries. Mm, I haven't even seen but that. But it's not that common because they don't, yeah, they they don't, don't do well up. in that situation. Right. I'm they got to be fresh. Be, I'm supposed to be at a bachelor party. And you're going to have tater tots, which idealistically would be great. You're, I'm just with a bunch of my friends from high school because one of them's getting married, obviously, uh, to watch the Super Bowl with. But now the Cowboys have got me sweating. Well, if the Cowboys are in this thing. That changes everything. <laughs> like, that changes everything. And we're supposed to fly back on a Monday, and I'm like, well, I would have to do the show, and then I can't. it's dangerous flying back on Sunday because you don't want to miss any of the games. So, oh, we'll see. But ideally, that would be a great setup, just you and your boys watching some football. With some tater tots. Yeah. With some tater tots. With no tots. obligations. And Here's the last thing. Are you ready? Tots. Yeah. 325 million gallons of beer will be drunk. I can see that. I can see that. Three hundred and twenty-five million. I don't even know how. That's a lot. You think? <laughs> anyways, but anyways, I thought that was interesting. With the list of foods. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know what you're serving at your Super Bowl party, but not tater tots. Not uh, yes, and I'm not. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I don't care. And I'm not doing garlic. <laughs> not tater tots. No. Hummus or a crab ball. I don't even know how to do a crab ball. I'm wondering if there's some sort of tater tots hummus bake. I can utilize. Yeah, maybe I'm so. Sure. <laughs> I'm right. sure. Google it. <laughs> yeah, some chocolate and peanut butter in there. Who knows? <laughs> Chili. Thanks, Steph. Okay. Appreciate it. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk a little high school football. Some numbers have come out. Very, very interesting. That's next from the Press Box. 
Baylor Bear basketball all season long here on ESPN Central Texas. The Bears host the BYU Cougars in their Big 12 home opener Tuesday in Foster Pavilion. 7.30 for the countdown to tip-off. 8 p.m. tip-off Tuesday. Join Baylor Athletics Hall of Famer Pat Nunley and the voice of the Bears, John Morris, for Baylor Bear basketball right here on ESPN Central Texas. It's Matt Mosley. You can make the decision right now to get lasting relief from that awful joint pain for 2024. Don't go another year compromising because of that pain in your knees or shoulder or like my neck, for instance. Call QC Kinetics now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. No drugs, no surgery, no downtime. This is not a Band-Aid. This is a revolutionary treatment that can get you moving again, get your life back. And listen, it's non-surgical. It's very important. If this is the year you decide to fight back against that pain, take the first step now. Call QC Kinetics. Get a free consultation on the calendar. Call 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. QC Kinetics, 254 254- Four one five four one zero zero. Hey folks, Derek Scott here with Jim Turner Chevrolet. 2024 is here, and it couldn't be a better time to purchase your next new Chevrolet. For an example, Silverado is as much as $10,000 off. Traverse is $5,000 off. And the all-new Equinox, $3,000 off. And we also have the largest selection of new and pre-owned inventory folks that we've seen in years. And we don't play any of the games or gimmicks, just honesty and transparency. So give us a call, 840-3261 or 24-7 at turnerchevy.com. And remember, folks, we're only a heartbeat away at McGregor. We'll treat you like family. Find new roads. Find sports news, streaming, and show podcast at CentexSportsFan.com. Don't miss the all-new Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Hundreds of tables of guns, knives, ammo, and accessories. Whether a first-time buyer or looking for that special piece to add to your gun, knife, or military collection, they have what you're looking for. Visit their website, BeltonGunShow.com, or call 817-732-1194. The Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Mosby's Land Management is a family-owned business that's been serving the Central Texas area for over 20 years. We're an all-inclusive land management company that provides services such as tree trimming and removal, stump grinding, land cleaning and clearing, mulching services, demolition, cleanup, haul-off, culvert installation. Give a local Central Texas company an opportunity to work for you on your farm, ranch, personal property. Give me, Mosby, a call, 254-749-1648, or check us out on Facebook. I'll treat your place like it's my own. Okay, so what's the most important part about your house? No, it's not that bar or even the man cave. Think about it. The most important thing is your roof. It has to withstand all that Mother Nature can throw your way. So it makes sense to have the best. McAdams & Sons Roofing is your first choice when it comes to protecting your valuable asset. Experienced professionals using only the best materials. So for new construction, re-roofs, repairs, or remodels for composition and metal roofs, think McAdams & Sons Roofing first. And now McAdams & Sons Roofing are installing seamless gutters. They're insured and an A-plus rating on the BBB. McAdams & Sons Roofing will come out, take a look at your roof, and handle all the insurance process for you. Don't let any fly-by-night company look at your roof. Let a real professional you trust do the work for you. Put McAdams & Sons over 40 years of experience to go to work for you all over Central Texas. 
Check them out online at mcadamsroofing.com or give them a call at 254-799-2949 because you don't want a kid with your house's lid. Welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. Worldwide's Cameron Stewart, Aaron Sexton along with you here on this Tuesday. As attendance was down at AT&T Stadium for the UIL Championships, 10 11-man title games played from December 13th to December 16th, about 193,776 fans attended. That's still all right. That's still okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, the games weren't as great as they were have been in years past. It was more like awestruck of some of these great teams and how great they were. But, mm-hmm. yeah, 193,000 over a weekend, that, that ain't bad. If you look at the comparison to what was there, now look, for the Duncanville Championship game, it was 40,673 for that game alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad for a high school football game, right? <laughs> oh, that's good. And let's compare that to the Quest Bowl between LSU and Wisconsin. Oh, no. Oh, it, no. They outdrew it. They outdrew Big 12 teams, Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State. Duncanville more than doubled the attendance for SMU's bowl game, 16,238. This is all that witnessed that game. Uh, the Toyota Bowl had 11,215. Shoot, the arm- man, the 4A2 games had more than that. Exactly right. The Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth had 30,828. It's getting closer, but it's still not there, right? Who First Responders that Bowl. That's uh, always got a local team. That's why I ask. Uh, Air Force and who was in the Armed Forces Bowl this year with Air Force? I don't know. Usually a Texas team. That's why I'm like, okay, that's a good attendance. Not as good as high school football, but. Right. Um, anyway, irrelevant. Now you got me thinking about it. <laughs> Let's see. I could do some research on this. The mighty James Madison. That's, that's right. Oh, that's right. Not a they local got, team. They not got the pass, team. right? I remember that now, barely. Yeah. First Responders Bowl at SMU, 26,542. Outdrew every one of those bowls. And not by just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> that's a Considerably, lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, to be fair, the team that Duncanville puts out's better than most of those teams you would watch at the bowl games. Yeah, I I agree. And there's the talent. And look, I mean, you mix in Duncanville, Desoto, and South Oak Cliff all playing there. That's that's going to draw it helps. Yeah. I mean, because you, you look at DeSoto, too. I mean, people are going to go just to see DeSoto. Yeah. No and ties. And right down the road, too. I mean, yeah. yeah. You hear about this this behemoth that they've been all season long, and then you see them at AT&T, and it holds up. I mean, what did they get, 70 points? Mm-hmm. Oh. 70 points in a state championship game. <laughs> I, I don't know that that's been done very, very many times. I really don't. I think it was the largest margin of victory in a championship game or second most or something like that. I could see that. Yeah. 
right. I just thought that well, was interesting that they outdrew all those bowl games. What does that say about the bowl games? Where are we at with the bowl games? I would, yeah. I mean, I I'd know that they're the relevant and things too. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's always going to have to be room for something like James Madison versus Air Force. Both those teams were in the rankings this year. Like, those are two good football teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just scraping in at six and six, either one of them. So there's, there is a need for that. But this would kind of bring into my point that I brought up a few weeks ago of how many of these bowl games should they do series of, like, match up these two bowl games against each other, play it on, you know, December 16th, and then the two winners play each other a week later right before Christmas. Just, I don't know, something to to Make put it relevant. some juice into this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, here's what I've been always saying. I get the bowl games are a revenue for ESPN. I get the bowl games are a revenue for these teams that get to go. But make them relevant by making them part of the playoff system. Expand the playoffs and have those bowl games count for something. And immediately, I think, your attendance goes up. Because there's something on the line. When are you going to go home? Yeah, and make it, you know, as much as you can, true conference matchups. I know that probably muddies things in that you put more power five teams than you'd like in bigger bowl games. But, you know, I mean, match up SEC and Big Ten teams in the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Mm -hmm. And the winner faces, you know, the ACC versus a group of five. You know, I, I don't know, something like that. But just to put some competition into these things rather than what they are right now, which is just fun for the fans. Like, well, no fans hate that their team is in a stupid bowl game. Most of them are not hating the fact that their team's in a stupid bowl but game. But a lot of them don't travel what. because but it's tough. it doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's t- Right, right. And so it's tough watch to it get on that TV. travel up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, especially when it's a day after Christmas, yeah. uh, which I've seen Baylor play in a few times. Like, But if, I'm not if there's something on the line, win or go home, advance, I think that those – True fans are not watching on TV. They're there at the game. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta. They gotta do something to inject some juice into it. Well, we'll get, we'll get some of that with the new sure playoff yeah. this, format. This should help. This should help. But we're not going to get enough. No, I think the playoffs need to be expanded more. But that's just me. Coming up next, Shayhan J. Aranja of CBS Sports. We'll talk about that national championship game in Houston last night. He was there. We'll get his thoughts next in the press box. Nikki Collin and the Bears on ESPN Central Texas. The Baylor women on the road in Big 12 play this Wednesday, headed to Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. 6 p.m. for the countdown to tip-off. 6.30 tip-off Wednesday. Tune into Baylor women's basketball with Derek Smith and Lori Fogelman all season long on ESPN Central Texas. Are you ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project? Founded in 1969, Barnett Contracting is your single source for preparing for your next build. Their services include excavation, utilities, civil engineering, concrete work, paving, and storm drainage. Do business with Central Texas' premier site work contractor, Barnett Contracting, where they strive for successful projects and satisfied clients. Learn more at barnettcontracting.com. 
Don't miss the all-new Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Hundreds of tables of guns, knives, ammo, and accessories. Whether a first-time buyer or looking for that special piece to add to your gun, knife, or military collection, they have what you're looking for. Visit their website, BeltonGunShow.com, or call 817-732-1194. The Belton Premier Gun Show at the Bell County Expo Center this weekend only. Hey folks, Gary Scott here with Jim Turner Chevrolet. 2024 is here, and it couldn't be a better time to purchase your next new Chevrolet. For an example, Silverado is as much as $10,000 off. Traverse is $5,000 off. And the all-new Equinox, $3,000 off. And we also have the largest selection of new and pre-owned inventory folks that we've seen in years. And we don't play any of the games or gimmicks, just honesty and transparency. So give us a call, 840-3261 or 24-7 at turnerchevy.com. And remember, folks, we're only a heartbeat away at McGregor. We'll treat you like family. Find new roads. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. It's Matt Mosley. You can make the decision right now to get lasting relief from that awful joint pain for 2024. Don't go another year compromising because of that pain in your knees or shoulder or like my neck, for instance. Call QC Kinetics now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. No drugs. No surgery, no downtime. This is not a Band-Aid. This is a revolutionary treatment that can get you moving again, get your life back. And listen, it's non-surgical. It's very important. If this is the year you decide to fight back against that pain, take the first step now. Call QC Kinetics. Get a free consultation on the calendar. Call 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. QC Kinetics, 254-415-4100. Okay, so what's the most important part about your house? No, it's not that bar or even the man cave. Think about it. The most important thing is your roof. It has to withstand all that Mother Nature can throw your way. So it makes sense to have the best. McAdams & Sons Roofing is your first choice when it comes to protecting your valuable asset. Experienced professionals using only the best materials. So for new construction, re-roofs, repairs, or remodels for composition and metal roofs, think McAdams & Sons Roofing first. And now McAdams & Sons Roofing are installing seamless gutters. They're insured and an A-plus rating on the BBB. McAdams & Sons Roofing will come out, take a look at your roof, and handle all the insurance process for you. Don't let any fly-by-night company look at your roof. Let a real professional you trust do the work for you. Put McAdams & Sons over 40 years of experience to go to work for you all over Central Texas. Check them out online at McAdamsRoofing.com or give them a call at 254-799-2949 because you don't want a kid with your house's lid. Time to talk college athletics with Shayhan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com on ESPN Central Texas. Welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. Here on this Tuesday, day after a national championship, joining us now from CBS Sports, as you heard, Shayhan Jayaraja and Shayhan. Thanks for your time today. Certainly do appreciate it. And the atmosphere at NRG last night. Yeah, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, this was one of the great crowds I've gotten to see. It was funny. I mean, obviously, uh, a far way away to Houston for both Michigan and Washington fans. 
but it ended up being a fantastic crowd, probably about 60, 40 Michigan fans. And in those big moments, they showed up. So really fantastic game, really fantastic crowd. And Shihan, looking at, I mean, Michigan's first championship in 25 years, we kind of talked about this yesterday. It felt like Washington was kind of the darling, the apple of America's eye, even though it had been a long time since Michigan had been back there, too. When you talk about that environment there, is that what it felt like, that kind of the neutrals were still pulling for Washington in this one? I think what's interesting is that, like you said, it's been since 1997, Michigan has never played in a true national championship game since they started in 1998. And so, you know, there certainly was a lot of sort of neutral uh, Washington support, but I mean, Michigan fans showed up. This is obviously one of the, the biggest fan bases, one of the most engaged fan bases in the country, and they showed up in mass. It's funny. Uh, on Friday and Saturday, there were a lot of Washington fans around, but as Sunday rolled around, all the Michigan fans came out. You couldn't go around the city of Houston without seeing maize and blue everywhere. So I, I do think that uh, that there was a lot of Washington support, but when it really came down to it, I, I think that Michigan fans understood this is a once-in-a-25-year experience, and uh, and they wanted to show up for it. Sehan, you've got a great article on CBSSports.com about how the past years have helped Michigan finally break through and get this national championship. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, right? This is three years in a row that Michigan was playing in the college football playoff. And two years ago, they kind of got handled by Georgia. Uh, Last year, it was a lot of little mistakes along the way at TCU. And the bulk of both these teams was back in 2023. They they had the opportunity to learn. They had the opportunity to grow. And I think ultimately it was just something that you saw in these little moments. Washington is a team that was here for the very first time. In some ways, like TCU last year, Michigan was the experienced team, kind of like Georgia was two years ago when these two teams played. So I, I think that just going through those moments, the experience that they had, the understanding they had of the moments, Uh, It really stood apart whenever it was kind of winning time in that game. And to kind of go off of that, Sheehan, I mean, we've talked about the job that Jim Harbaugh has done, and I I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but he was fired a couple years ago. Like they, a lot of Michigan fans and and donors were were done with not beating Michigan State, not beating Ohio State, not playing for the Big Ten championship year in, year out. And, you know, you look at some of the jobs he's done in the past, completely turned around Stanford, turned around the 49ers, brought them to a Super Bowl. Is this just as impressive in terms of being able to bring that team over the hump at Michigan when it looked like that was just not in the cards even three years ago? Well, I think that what's most impressive about this team and this run is that it's not built like a lot of the other championships that we've seen in years past. You know, I mean, you look at the last three national champions, they were number two in the 247 talent composite. But Michigan is a program that gets plenty of blue chips, plenty of five stars, but also does an incredible job of developing. It It develops an identity. This was not a team that was overwhelmingly led by its quarterback. It's a team effort. It's a defensive roster. And so I I think that when you look at what he's been able to develop, in a lot of ways, I I mean, Ohio State is obviously a Big Ten team that's won a national championship, but this is a true blue Big Ten team, the way that they're structured, the way they want to manage games. Uh, and, And I think the fact that Jim Harbaugh was able to build this team, this roster, this coaching staff, to really stay true to that DNA. Uh, It's a special group. And I I mean, look, like you said, he's coached in the Super Bowl. He's won a national championship in college. 
Uh, I, I mean, he has to go down as one of the better coaches uh, and most accomplished coaches at all levels in football. Shehan Jayaraja with us talking national championship in the press box on ESPN Central Texas. And Shehan, when did the game really start to feel like the tide was turning in Michigan's favor to you? Yeah, I'd say for me, uh, there were two moments that it really felt like it. There was the interception at the beginning of the second half. Washington had an opportunity to come down, tie the game, and potentially take control of the game with the way that they ended the first half. And Michigan's defense just stood up and said, no, not now, not now. And the other one that I'd say is that drive midway through the fourth quarter when uh, J.J. McCarthy all season long has put together these big moments. And we saw it in the Alabama game, the game tying drive. Uh, We saw it in this game, the the touchdown drive to go up two scores midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, When it was winning time, Michigan was the team that showed up. And, you know, Washington had so many opportunities to fight their way back to the game if they could do some things right. But, you know, like I kind of said off the top, it was Michigan who had the experience, who knew how to handle the moments. And I think you saw Washington crumble at times under the bright light. And we knew Michigan had the advantage defensively for sure. But when you look at the playmakers on this Washington team, Odunze has a decent game. He goes for 17 and on five catches, 17 per catch. Um, but nobody goes over 100 yards receiving. Their leading rusher has just 33 yards, and Penix throws two interceptions. So my question is, were you, even though Michigan had that defensive advantage, were you surprised that they were just able to shut every window on this Washington offense? The thing I'm probably most surprised about is how much they confused Washington's offensive line. You know, I think that we've seen, you know, this was the Joe Moore Award-winning unit as the best offensive line in college football this year. And when I looked at the Alabama game for Michigan, they were able to take advantage of communication breakdown on the offensive line. And I thought Washington would handle that just a little bit better. But Michigan took it to them. They completely attacked the gap. They, they confused and they came from different angles. There were a lot of simulated pressures. And midway through the first quarter, it felt like Washington's offensive line was kind of seeing ghosts out there. They were not sure where they were supposed to be. They weren't sure who they were supposed to be blocking. Uh, And so the way that Michigan was able to control the game with angles was probably the most impressive thing to me. You know, in the secondary, obviously, we knew that that, uh, Michigan had some good players, and, and they played extremely well, especially Will Johnson, at cornerback. I felt like there were opportunities there if Michael Penix Jr. had some more time in the pocket, but he just never had it, and he never was able to get into any kind of rhythm. Do you think that that pass down the sidelines in, late in the game when he had wide open could have changed the game, actually, just missed his wide receiver, overthrew him, and there wasn't anybody. He probably scores on that, and it changes the whole game. Do you think that that kind of got in his head and it never left? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, again, that's just one of those throws where uh, he's rushing a little. He's not going through his mechanics the way that he needs to go. And, uh, and again, I think that there was some miscommunication on that ball. I think Romo Dunze thought that he was going to give it to him right there, so he kind of stopped there. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., I think, thought that he was going to keep leading him down the field. And those are the mistakes that weren't happening against Tech. Those are the mistakes that weren't happening against Oregon. But when you're playing against a team that pressures you the way that Michigan does, uh, like you said, it starts getting your head. And, and you talked about the mold that this Michigan team is built in, very much the standard stereotypical Big Ten team, right? And as I look for, you know, a couple years ago, how much 
the quarterback really took over in college football. I mean, now we know the Heisman is a quarterback award, and in the national championships, it was Trevor Lawrence and then Joe Burrow and Mac Jones. And now I look at the last three years, obviously two years of Georgia, one of Michigan, with Stetson Bennett and J.J. McCarthy. And so is that onus on having the best quarterback play for the championship team. Do you think that onus is kind of going down for college football teams as we've seen the last three champions? I think that it's changing, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I look around college football right now, and even I look around the Big 12 right now, so many of the best players in college football are running backs, for example. Uh, You know, the, the Big 12 is bringing back two of the top four rushers in all of college football. And we can have the conversation about running backs don't matter at the NFL level. I think it's a little overblown, but it's real. Uh, that's not the case in college football. We see how Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were able to control this game and make explosive plays in space. And so I do think that there's less onus than there used to be. But the other part of this, too, is that it takes having a defensive line like Georgia, like Michigan. It takes having cornerbacks who can hang with receivers like Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk. So you have to build a lot of a team around them. But, but yeah, I absolutely do think that when, when you look at college football right now, it's not just a quarterback game. Getting a great quarterback isn't just going to solve all your problems. Sehan, Michigan's athletic director, Manuel, has said – uh, and said last night after the game that he wants to keep Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Is there any possible scenario you see Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines for the Michigan Wolverines? Yeah, I, I don't know if I do. I just think that he came to Michigan to accomplish something. He came to bring their first national championship since 1997, and he did it. And now I think that for him, he wants to accomplish his next great goal, which is winning a Super Bowl. He had an opportunity to potentially do it back in 2013 against his brother, ironically. And I think that it, it eats at him, that he came just short. So there are so many good jobs available right now. There's so many good opportunities available right now. I, I just think that there's going to be a match somewhere, whether it is a team like the Chargers, whether it is a team like the Raiders or the Bears. I just think there are too many too, uh, too many good jobs out there and too many jobs that would, I think, value what he brings to the table for him to come back. And I know we're a little ahead of this here, but let's just play that out and Harbaugh goes to the NFL. What kind of strategy do you think Michigan takes to replace him? Are they having eyes towards the NFL? Are they looking at promoting from within even? Or are they going to poach someone's favorite son? Yeah, I think that... There's going to be a lot of momentum to hire Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator. He was the interim coach for the last three games of the of the regular season that they all won. And so I think that that was an audition in some ways. Now, at the same time, I mean, Michigan has gone different directions. I don't, I don't think they're just going to handpick Sharon Moore and call it a day. I, I imagine that they're doing their due diligence as we speak, whether or not Jim Harbaugh ends up leaving. If you're Ward Manuel, you have to be prepared for that possibility. And so I I don't have a great feel on which direction they might go. Again, I I expect that Sharon Moore is going to get a lot of consideration, but they'd be foolish not to do a full search. This is one of the best jobs in college football and potentially the reigning national champion. We haven't seen a a head coach leave in more than 20 years. If that happens, if he does go to the NFL and they promote within – is there still that big danger of because he's gone to the NFL that the transfer portal just absolutely shreds Michigan? 
I think that if they were to hire internally and keep a lot of their staff, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. The other thing, too, I mean, look, they're probably going to lose five to ten players. That's just the reality of college football these days, and the transfer portal window opens for them as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a massive exodus necessarily, especially with some of the guys that they have coming back. I mean, Colson Loveland at tight end uh, is somebody that's really well-respected. Donovan Edwards at running back. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people in terms of contributors who will want to come back and see, look, you know, we're going to be missing some of the pieces that were key to this team, but let's see whether we can make it four in a row in the Big Ten or win a consecutive national championship. So I don't necessarily see a huge exodus, but it's always a risk now in college football. And Shayhan, I, I know you've heard this line quite a bit, but and we, we've, we all hear it all the time. College football is better when X team is good, whether it's Texas or Miami or Michigan or USC or Nebraska. And so now we look at it, Michigan's first national championship since Brady was like a sophomore, the year I was born, as a matter of fact. And so is is it better for college football to have what we had last night, two non-SEC teams in the national championship, an expanded playoff coming up, and a team like Michigan now back at the top. Are all those things make it better for college football? Well, I think for me, I don't tend to lean towards saying any one team needs to be good or or that it's really good for for college football. But I do think that what you just said at the end uh, is big for me. We've had, I think it's uh, since 2005, all but uh, one national championship was won by a team from the South. And look, I'm from Texas. You know, it's not a bad thing for me, but I do think that it is better for the sport when you have champions from the Midwest, from the West Coast, from the Pacific Northwest, from the Atlantic Coast, Uh, when you have a more representative sport. And so I think that just the game yesterday on its face, Michigan versus Washington, is a step in that direction, which I think is great for college football. But then to have a champion in Michigan who comes from the Midwest, who, again, runs stylistically a very Big Ten-style team, these are all things that I think are really good for college football because it opens the sport up to everybody else. One of the, uh, one of the great concerns that I have is that if this becomes a Southeastern niche sport, then it's dead. It's not going to be a sport that garners any national interest that is able to survive and, and thrive on its own. You need representation of uh, different geographic regions of the country because this is a hyper-local sport that is also a national sport. So the fact that a hyper-local team in Michigan is able to win a national championship, it's something that I think is not just good for the sport, but vital for the sport to continue. Say, hon, 10 years of the four-team playoff and the scenario that we saw end last night. Next year we go to the 12-team playoff. How much does that change the college football playoffs? And do you think it brings even more interest to the college football playoffs? I think it does. You know, one of the things to think about is that heading into November, there's usually about 11 teams competing for four spots. Uh, Next year, we're going to have potentially 35 teams or 40 teams competing for 12 spots. It's going to open the sport up a lot. It's going to guarantee, like I kind of mentioned, There's going to be multiple teams from the Midwest. There's going to be teams from the West Coast. There's going to be Mm -hmm. teams from Texas, teams from the Southeast. And and I think it makes for a more inclusive sport in terms of, uh, you know, if you're a fan of UTSA, if you're a fan of Baylor, if you're a fan of USC or of Oregon or of Penn State, uh, I think it's really good for especially some of these middle-class teams 
that a good season maybe before is making the New Year's Six Bowl. Well, now a good season for you is going to be making the college football playoff. And I think that that makes you treat it a different kind of way than maybe uh, uh, other scenarios. So I do think it's going to be good for the sport. I love the fact that with the first round buys that they're valuing conference championships. I think that's vital for the sport uh, to, to keep a focus on conference championships. And so ultimately I think it's going to be great. And uh, again, I, I think it's very fitting that a team from Michigan, from the big 10 kind of ushered us out this uh, in this 2023 season. Shayon Jay Raj of CBS sports joining us here on the press box and to kind of go off that answer, Shayhan, I know this is something you have been covering and looking forward to this 12-team playoff here. And we, we saw everyone was clamoring for a playoff system until 10 years ago. And then we got one. And then four wasn't enough. And so fast forward to a year from now, what are fans going to be complaining about when it comes to the 12-team playoff next year? <laughs> well, I think that there's going to be a number of fans who maybe are on a number two or number three team from the Big 12 or potentially a number five type team from the SEC who says, well, their path was so different than ours. You know, we won 10 games. Why is this nine win team uh, getting into the playoff over us? And for SEC fans, it's going to be, well, we have to go through the SEC. Why is this 10 win Big 12 team being considered over us? The thing, though, that I'll say with all of that is that it's very rare that we have more than 10 legitimate title contenders in college football. Now, look, the team that's number 12 or 13, they're going to be upset, and they're going to be upset every year. But the level of difference between Florida State, an undefeated conference champion that could have won a national championship and getting left out, as opposed to this year, for example, it would have been 10-2 and Oklahoma who didn't play in his conference championship game. That's not the same kind of injustice to me. So ultimately, I think it's something we can work with. Shayhan, when – Bowl season rolled around. We saw the transfer portal open up before bowl season, and it just ravaged a lot of teams. Does college football do anything about that? I know you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but you can move the dates, and some coaches are just screaming from the top of their lungs, move the dates so we don't have this and ruin these bowl games. Do you think that that's a real possibility that, that college football moves the date for transfer? Yeah, I think that transfer dates moving is very difficult because you're dealing with class ad drop deadlines, right? I mean, everybody wants to get their players on campus by January. In a lot of these schools, it's like by January 9th, you have to be signed up for all of your classes. And so I do think that that part is going to be difficult. A piece that I think we could see move more is the uh, the early signing period. I mean, having to do high school recruiting, uh, college recruiting, bowl prep and playoff prep at the same exact time is something that's just really not palatable for, for coaches and for athletic departments at this point. So that's the piece that I'd be keeping the closest eye on is whether that period moves. And we, and we know, you know, obviously the day after the national championship, it gets amplified, but that's all that people care about. Who made the playoff? Who won the national championship? Now, Shayhan, Baylor alums like you and I, we can find great seasons that don't end in the playoff. So just had the final AP top 10 drop this morning. I was just wondering what team on that top 10 for you surprised you the most from where they were at the beginning of the season to, to finish in the top 10. Yeah, I, I will admit, I haven't seen the, the top 10 as yet. It's been a long night for me. I, I That's that, understandable. <laughs> yeah. I believe that Missouri though ended up yep. in the top 10. Yep. Right? And and so for them to have the jump that they did this year, to go 11-2, and two, to win the Cotton Bowl, to beat Ohio State, 
all the context of what, what Ohio State was going through still to, to be able to go and do that. And to also, by the way, bring a whole lot back in 2024. It's an impressive, impressive season. I did not know whether Eli Drinkwitz had this kind of run in him. So I, I think that that's a team to keep an eye on. They're doing a lot of things the right way. They added a fantastic offensive guard transfer in Caden Green from Oklahoma as well, a guy that Oklahoma really wanted to keep. And so I, I think that Missouri is the team that just truly came out of nowhere and I think uh, will be a power heading into 2024. Say, the best thing you saw in college football this past season? Oh, man. It- <laughs> I, I, I could uh, I could write like a whole book about that. It was such a great <laughs> we'll be expecting it in the summer. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! Now now you're putting me on deadline. So <laughs> but, no, it, it's a good question. So I mean, certainly when I see Michael Penix Jr.'s comeback from the injuries that he was dealing with in 2021, and for this team from the Pacific Northwest that really hasn't been consistently competitive in the modern age for them to come through and make the national championship game. And really, I mean, in the fourth quarter, have a chance to win the national championship, a very legitimate one. That's just unbelievable stuff. I I, I give them so much credit for that. Uh, You know, another thing too, of course, is I think that you look at SMU, a, a team that hasn't won a conference championship since 1983 to come through, win their first conference championship as they're heading up to the power conferences. Uh, they deserve so much credit for that. I, I think back to some of the players that Sonny Dykes coached, that Rhett Lashley coached, and, and to kind of have it finally come together and get through in that final season. Uh, it, it was a fantastic moment and something that I know that SMU alums will hang on to for a long time. Shayhan J. Aranja with us here in the press box on ESPN Central Texas from CBSSports.com. Shayhan, I know it's been a long night. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Have a safe travels, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you so much for having me. There you go, Shayhan J. Aranja at the national championship last night. You know, I almost went to the University of Washington. Oh, really? I'm, and by that, I didn't actually end up applying. <laughs> but when I was looking at schools, I really wanted to go there at one point. Right. Seattle, the purple and gold popped. They get the Japanese cherry blossoms. Beautiful campus. It is a beautiful campus. <sighs> Would have been to two playoffs by now. Yes. <laughs> Dang. Where did it all go wrong? Instead, I'm here with you and Aaron. Here well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> my, my top college football moment of the year came after SMU won the conference, and it was them losing to Boston College at Fenway. Right. What a day. Did I tell you? I don't think I told you about this. So when I flew back, it was the day after that game. Mm-hmm. I flew from Boston. Bunch of SMU people on the flight. And I can't even, I can't even make this up. They're in line. It's a Southwest flight, so they're in line waiting to get on. And I think there was a player's family there, but there was like three or four groups of SMU fans, and they were like, oh, I mean, that wasn't even a field yesterday. I, I don't know how you can call that a bowl game. That was, that was just terrible. I mean, if, they're talking about playing conditions and a home crowd against Boston College. <laughs> they blew, what, a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter? Right. A 13 unanswered. I'm like, what are you talking about? That This is a fan base that is ready for the Power Five, baby. Because I got news for you guys. The ACC gets a lot better than Boston College <laughs> year in, year out. Well, you know, you try to... Before that game, you try to tell people as SMU fans that they have a ways to go in everything to be a Power Five school, and it's not a shot. It's it's true. They don't want to hear it. 
Now you see it with the loss to Boston College. You were talking about the attendance. Come on. You know, I mean, it's just. (laughs) If BC plays Notre Dame there and all things are being equal, it would be a road game for BC. And I have SMU fans talking about how home field advantage. (laughs) I cannot tell you how little they care about college football up there. I cannot possibly begin to tell you how little they care. And you went over the attendance. What was there, less than 20,000 people there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 16,000. Not a real field. It was good enough for the AFL. (laughs) I like it when they play at... Fenway or it's Yankee right. Stadium. It just looks cool to me. And I mean, honestly, is that any different from... I, this is probably behind them, but Houston, I mean, they had turf problems for years. Mm-hmm. Like guys getting hurt. Pittsburgh's another famous one. Mm-hmm. They host bowl games. Like, who cares, man? It's you, you take that risk going anywhere. You can do a lot worse than Fenway Park. I can guarantee that. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Crazy. That just, that just That was so funny. SMU fans, you guys are not ready for this thing, man. No, it's going to blow up in their face. Oh, you are not ready. You're not going to play Memphis and Tulsa, baby. I mean. Like, TCU was light years ahead of SMU where they are. Oh, yeah. Not just in football, but pretty much across the board. And they They struggled for three or four years. Mentally, they were ready, though. Right. Like especially football, they they were yeah, ready to they had be beat among, Michigan in they, the Rose Bowl, and they, yeah, and they, they were beating Baylor. Yeah. You know, they they would beat SMU. They beat the crap out of SMU. Not mm-hmm. that they were in the Big Twelve, but you know what I mean. Like mentally, they were they were ready to go. SMU is, and, and I mean TCU was consistently really good. I mean you uh, winning bowl, BCS bowl games. Well, they being ranked they worked, in the top ten. They worked their way up the ladder, and yes, you could see yes. them ascending up. Yes, football-wise. I mean, SMU has showed some good SMU, flashes. It, but. They, they've had a couple of years that they had some flashes. But, again, I'll go back to the death penalty. They've never really, truly recovered from that. TCU, and I don't think they ever will. TCU had the coach. They had the mm-hmm. infrastructure. They had the facilities, which is big. They had they were putting guys in the pros every year. SMU has like a fraction of all of those things. And luckily for them... Maybe, in terms of saving face, they won't be playing in a power conference very long. Maybe not. I don't know how long that conference is going to survive, to be honest with you. Well, and and, and that's that's for a lot of the conferences out there, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be realistic. I mean, we're, we're headed for the supernova conferences, and yeah. that's it. And we talk about the ACC is teetering on the edge, but therefore go the grace of... What is it there? But for the grace of God, go I in the Big Twelve. We could be having that same discussion in two years. No, oh, there's no doubt. Like absolutely no you doubt. Know, but SMU, those fans, they crack me up, man. <laughs> Big Twelve men's <laughs> basketball schedule coming up tonight. We'll go over that next in the press box. Sunday afternoon, it's playoff football with your Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers live from AT and T Stadium on this Dallas Cowboys radio network station. I'm Kyle Tumbleton, general manager of Jeff Hunter Toyota. Toyota's ranked number one for the most reliable vehicles, with data compiled from more than 300,000 vehicles built between 2000 and 2022. If you're in search of a new vehicle, Jeff Hunter Toyota offers a full selection of new Toyota models, along with a vast inventory of pre-owned vehicles. Stop by and see me or any of my team members for a great car at a fair price. Jeff Hunter Toyota. 
Toyota Quality, Waco Values. Did you know that a male ostrich can roar like a lion? Did you know that in Japan, you can buy watermelons shaped like pyramids? Or that ketchup was originally sold as a medicine? Hi there, this is the Foundation Doctor. I bet something else you didn't know is that foundation movement can often be stopped by injecting soil stabilizer into the soil around your home. It's true. At the Foundation Doctor, we have our own proprietary solution called Stable Soil. Stable Soil is a quick, inexpensive application that stabilizes the soil under your home. It's fast-acting, long-lasting, and puts a stop to those pesky cracks and sticking doors. Only the Foundation Doctor offers this revolutionary product. So give the doctor a call of the day at 863-8800 or look us up on the web at INeedTheDoctor.com. So for doors that are sticking and cracks in your walls, the Foundation Doctor will make a house call. The flagship station for Baylor basketball is ESPN Central Texas. Slovacek Sausage has found a great home in Central Texas, and we're growing with you. We have found so many ways to celebrate all the great things about Texas, football, family, and friends, and so much more. We have all of the barbecue, specialty meats, and over 35 kinds of kolaches to make your next meal or gathering a great success, and we do all the work. If you're on the road, we have the best place for your pooch to stop and stretch with our beautiful dog park. So with the hospitality of Texas and our Czech heritage, Vitame Voss. That means we welcome you. At Slovacek's, you'll love our sausage. My house has a new glow. I love my windows. Universal Windows Direct. Now that football season is here and cooler weather is right around the corner, it's time to replace those old windows. When you call Universal Windows Direct, it's easy to schedule an in-home consultation where you can discuss your specific window needs with an expert team member. Universal's exclusive Unishield windows have 11 times less air infiltration as standard windows and have been awarded the most efficient windows by Energy Star for eight consecutive years. They have financing options to fit any budget. That's any budget. Contact Universal Windows Direct for a free in-home estimate. UniversalWindowsCentralTexas.com or call 254-301-7760. And don't forget to check out their great Google and Angie List reviews. I love my windows. They've got that brand new home effect. Universal Windows Direct. Find sports news, streaming, and show podcast at SyntechSportsFan.com. And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. Coming up next, J-Mo, followed by Matt Mosley. And Baylor basketball tonight, all right here on ESPN Central Texas. Looking at the Big 12 coming up tonight. Told you yesterday, Houston takes over that second spot in the AP poll. And uh, their first time to go on the floor as the number two team mm-hmm. in the country at Iowa State. Ooh, boy, that's not easy. At Hilton, never easy. And never is, an easy place to play, There's is currently it? a blizzard there, too. Ooh, oh, there is? Pic- Baby. Yeah. Saw a picture that my brother-in-law posted, and it was a snowstorm in Ames. Iowa State's mm. one of the only teams, maybe the only team in this conference, that can somewhat match up with Houston defensively. I don't know how much you've caught of the Cougars this year. That defense is They're very good. They're I mean, you remember good. those Press Virginia Huggins teams mm-hmm. from six or seven years ago now? It's that, but with more skill. It's, I mean, Kelvin Sampson's got them playing just dogged defense the last few years, and that's what got them to the Final Four against Baylor. But 
This is a this is a whole other animal, and this will be a good test for them tonight. Both te- both teams, because Iowa State doesn't have a number next to their name, but I don't think that will be the case for very long. I, I you know, I'm not as high as them when, as Drake Toll is, who was right. saying they could win the conference on I this show last that. week. I don't know about that, but I think they are a pretty good basketball team, and, and this will be a good test tonight. Should be Texas and Cincinnati uh, at Cincinnati coming up tonight. Another Big 12 game. Should be no problem for Texas. Should be. But this is the one I have favored. Really? They like that home court that much. Yeah. uh, Let me get the exact. Well, Cincinnati's coming off a big win. They just beat BYU. Right. uh, On Saturday, uh, on the road, played pretty well. And Texas, man, I have a bunch of question marks there. Bad loss. Now they got to go on the road, place they've never been before. Cincinnati brings it in terms of a of a home court advantage. I, I don't know much about the personnel, but just taking those things, it, this is no cakewalk for Texas tonight. Yeah, I since, would be surprised to see that they're that they're underdogs, but still, Cincinnati is a five and a half point Whoa. favorite. Oh. So you can get almost two to one on your money betting Texas tonight oh. if you bet the money line. And if they lose, I'm not saying tonight, you should. I wouldn't. But. If Texas loses tonight, or they start losing a few here in a row. That seat's going to get hot really quick. It's going. There's going to be a lot of question marks around Rodney Terry, and I would have to eat my words because I thought that was a, a good hire. Mm-hmm. I I thought you know he really kept that team together last year, and he was a chief recruiter, a chief recruiter for them through two different regimes. Mm-hmm. And so I think well that's this is a, a good direction to go. But they've struggled already this year. They barely beat a Louisville team that won four games last year. Um, they obviously lose by double digits at home to Tech, uh, another team that's got some turmoil surrounding them a little bit. And yes, if they does. if they string three or four losses here, that that's that's a bad bad situation to be in if you're their coach. By the way, not this Saturday. Next Saturday they host Baylor, and I think that's their next ranked game, which is uh, not you know not common in the Big Twelve to go that long without one. Um, so they, they've got some chances to win some games before that. Kansas State and West Virginia tonight. And West Virginia is reeling. Yeah. Kansas State ain't doing that much better. But, yeah. No, I mean, West, I, but they're not West Virginia. Right. West Virginia West, looks terrible. West Virginia, if they had an option to opt out of the conference this year, I think they would have <laughs> taken it. Um, it. It's it's a bad deal. We obviously know with Huggins getting fired in the spring. I mean, really late in that cycle. Very late. Um, and guys leaving, you don't have an opportunity to bring in a lot of guys after that. You don't have your choice of a head coach. This is a get-to-the-finish-line kind of year for West Virginia. Uh, it's it's sad. I mean, they've got good fans, and they've had some real good basketball teams the last since they've come into the Big 12. Uh, but this is, a bad, this is a bad news Bears kind of team. Yeah, not good at all. Oklahoma State at Texas Tech in the United Center coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. And this could be, in my opinion, I think this is going to be a really good basketball game. Is Tech, be. We're, because we're going to find out about Tech. Are they for real or is Texas that bad? <laughs> Oklahoma State yeah. takes Baylor to overtime. Are they for real or was that just lightning in a bottle for Oklahoma State? I think there's going to be a lot of telltale about Maybe the middle of this conference, not the top of this right, conference, right. but maybe the middle of this conference where it's at. And that's big for tournament bids. The sure. middle of this conference. And I know it's early to be looking at that. But your team like Oklahoma State, team like Tech, 
you're not expecting to be in the rankings very much, if at all, right? You've got young teams, scrappy teams. You look at a game like this and you circle it, especially Tech playing at home. We've got to have this one. Mm -hmm. This is a team that's on par with us at best, maybe worse than us, and they could beat... I mean, we just saw them take Bayward overtime, talking about Oklahoma State. They could beat some good teams later on. This could help our RPI big time while not being an upset. We've got to defend the home court in this conference, and it starts with teams like this before we start worrying about beating the Baylors and the Houstons and the Kansases. Uh, This is a huge game for both teams, even just game number two into the conference schedule of this this feels like one we've got to have. We're going to beat the West Virginias. Right of the world, we're we're gonna beat the UCFs of the world, but it's these Oklahoma states, Oklahomas, uh, Kansas states. It's these ones we got to take care of, and that's and that's for both teams looking at that. But yeah, I I was impressed by both these teams on Saturday. Obviously, Tech with the convincing win, and Oklahoma State really scrapping hard against Baylor in a day where the shots didn't fall for the Bears. But I mean, Oklahoma State did all they could to win that game, and it was very close to to being that way. Two top-ranked teams end up the Big 12, and it is the Baylor Bears at number 14, hosting number 18, BYU. And you can hear that game right here on ESPN Central Texas. J-Mo will have a lot more on that game coming up in the next hour. And also Matt Mosley, much more leading you up to the pregame of the Baylor Bears hosting the Cougars of BYU. we got to get out of the way. J-Mo is next, followed by Matt Mosley and Baylor basketball, all right here on ESPN Central Texas. For Cam and Aaron, I'm Ward Whites. Until next time, so long, everybody. Go Cowboys! This is Dallas Cowboys football 2023. Prescott's back to throw, looking right. Only heard here. Throws it near.